Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight we are continuing in our series. Our series is, uh, is entitled My Fav Favorite Bible Characters and What I Have Learned from Them. And tonight, this is our 13th Bible character. And tonight's Bible character is Naaman the leper. I guess we might ought to call him Naaman the clean because he didn't stay a leper. leper. Maybe we call him Naaman the healed or something, huh? Uh, but Naaman the leper. Let me catch you up on what's going on uh, uh, with, with, with Naaman and what's going on around the world about that time. Bearing in mind that the Word of God is a roadmap for our lives. God included characters in the Bible so that we would know what to do and what not to do. Bible characters are, have, have been such an important part of my lifetime study. There are two or three things that I have really majored on in my life. One of them is having a life scripture. There is one verse in the Bible, I believe, that speaks more to each individual than any other verse. Maybe you have heard it over and over, read it over and over, memorized it. Maybe it's a part of your life. You know, I have a Bible verse uh, that is a life verse that is a part of the fabric of my life. Uh, everywhere I have gone, every time some, someone has given me a word from the Lord, that word has surfaced. I mean, it's just amazing, and it has become a real-life scripture. Uh, you know, whenever I was in real need of knowing what God wanted me to do, I didn't know, uh, you know, I, I, I just didn't know what God wanted me to do. And I wanted to know, and I needed to know, and I cried out to God. I did something very dangerous. I don't recommend you do this at home. It's very dangerous, okay? But I didn't know any better. Now, since I've told you don't do it, you know better, okay? <laughs> I didn't know any better. I just threw the Bible up, and I said, God, I'm going to throw the Bible up, and when it comes down, I'm going to catch it and put my finger on a verse, and I'm going to read it. Like I said, don't do that, okay? It might fall on the one that says, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, he went out and hung himself, and his bowels burst out and, and fell headlong down asunder, okay? <laughs> don't, don't, don't be reading that stuff. But God uh, gave me grace and mercy in my ignorance. I threw it up, and when it came down, boom, my finger was on my life scripture, Luke, the fourth chapter, and verse 18. You know, when I'd ask God, you know, Lord, and I said to the Lord, if it doesn't say something about me preaching the gospel, I am not, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm going to just believe that I made a mistake. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. <laughs> That's what it says. Uh, a life scripture. I believe in life scriptures. Uh, and and I, I encourage you to find your life scripture. You know, what is it that God speaks to you that confirms his word in your life or confirms your life or, 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 or just comes off the page at you all the time? And use it. Use it for, for, for warfare in days to come. Whenever you know that, that you're needing a word from the Lord, that word can be, you know, so powerful for you. That one has been for me now. Uh, I, I did that in 1979, uh, and it became my life scripture. And, uh, and I, I, I just, you know, uh, just relied on it so much. A second thing, uh, life scripture, a second thing I really believe in for life guidance is it, it Bible characters. 
I believe that I can find uh, you know, something in the Word of God from each of the individuals that God chose to share their lives with us. Now, the Bible is not meant to tell us everything. It's just not. It addresses, you know, uh, you know, subjects of life and principles of life. But you, you can't know everything that happened in Mary's life. You know, how did Mary, the mother of Jesus, how did her parents feel about her being pregnant, not being married? We don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us. There are a lot of things that the Bible does not tell us. You know, uh, uh, but they are, you know, um, and, and it's, it's okay we imagine but the things God did choose to tell us, very powerful. And he has told us a lot about people and how he interacts with them and how they interact, interact with him and with other people. And uh, it, it, it was about 860 years before Christ that the 10 northern tribes of Israel were being ruled by a very evil and a very wicked king and queen. You may remember them, King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. A lot's been said about King Ahab and Jezebel, and most of it is probably true. And they were very wicked. They, uh, you know, uh, they were cruel and they were idolatrous, and they led the children of Israel and the nation of Israel into sin. And... Uh, um, you know, uh, the Bible gives us an account of their horrible reign. Uh, the first century historian named Josephus, if you have ever read, it's a book about this thick, you know, uh, Josephus wrote, uh, you know, from a Jewish history and traditional historical perspective. Uh, Josephus included the account of the death of King Ahab. And it agrees with the Bible that that King Ahab, you know, he wanted to go to war with Assyria and he wanted a buddy to go with him. And so he asked the king of Judah, who was Jehoshaphat, he said, would you come and make an alliance with me and let's go fight the king of Assyria? And, and King Jehoshaphat came over and said, sure, but do you have any prophets that could tell us how this is going to turn out? And, and uh, so, you know, King Ahab got some prophets and, and, and they said, oh, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. And they said, well, is there yet one more prophet? King Ahab said, well, I know this guy. His name is uh, Micaiah, and, 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 and he is, but he never has anything good to say about me. Okay, let's call him. And so they went to get him, and the people that were sent to get him said, listen now, everybody else has told the king that the battle's going to be good. Now, when you get there, you tell the king the battle's going to be good. You know, don't mess this thing up. So he gets there, and, you know, the King Ahab says, well, how's it going to go? And he said, oh, everything's going to be sweet and good. You know, bless you. Have a good time. The king said, haven't I told you not to lie to me? He said, okay, then thus saith the Lord. I see all of Israel scattered like sheep on a mountain without any leadership. King, you're going to die, you know. And the king said, I, you, you know, I knew it, I knew it. See, I told you, Jehoshaphat. I tell you what, y'all lay hands on that prophet and you take him and you basically put him in jail till I get back. Well, he and Jehoshaphat went out to the battle. When they got out there to the battle, King Ahab is still evidently a little bit bothered by the prophecy that he could be killed. So he decides he's going he's to pull one on, 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 on God. You know, he's he's going to outsmart God. He said, hey, King Jehoshaphat, I tell you what, why don't you take my clothes 
and you put my clothes on, and I'll put some clothes of just a common soldier, and then you go stand where the king of, 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 of you know, Israel in my place, in front of my troops, and everybody think that you're me. He, then, you know, he was thinking, okay, I'm, I'm just going to outsmart God here, and I'll just kind of be hiding from God. And so Jehoshaphat goes, okay. And so, <laughs> so he, he puts on the king, king Ahab's royal apparel, and he, and he goes, isn't this a good Bible story? I love this Bible story. And he, and, he, and, he, and he goes and he stands in the place of the king of Israel, and the Assyrian army had heard, go kill Ahab, go kill Ahab, we hate Ahab, let's go kill Ahab. Well, they surrounded Jehoshaphat, but somebody said, that's not Jehoshaphat. I mean, that's not Ahab, that's Jehoshaphat. And so they really, I mean, they, 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 they kept pursuing and pursuing, but, you know, Ahab was hiding. You know, he was, he was, you know, he looked like a common soldier and he was hiding. And so the Bible says, you can read about it in, 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 in 2 Kings, excuse me, 1 Kings, the 22nd chapter or so. And, and the Bible says that there was an Assyrian soldier who drew back the arrow at a chance, it says. Let's, let's read about it, verse 34 of 1 Kings 22. Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. I mean, you know how the armor kind of flaps over? You know? Well, he got him right in one of those flaps. <laughs> you can't outsmart God, by the way, okay? <laughs> He just drew it back and let it fly at random, and it struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. So the king, verse 37, so the king died, and they brought him to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. Then someone washed the chariot at the pool of Samaria, and the dogs licked up the, the, the blood while harlots bathed. <laughs> Interesting, huh? According to the word of the Lord, which had been spoken. Listen, you just not going to outsmart God. Okay? Well, the Bible... The Bible does not tell us the name of that Assyrian soldier that did that. But Josephus does. Josephus names this Assyrian soldier. And the rabbis teach this. And it's tradition and it's history. It's, it's not a part of the Bible, but it is a part of Jewish history. Okay? And which not everything that happened is in the Bible uh, and some things, I mean, we know, for example, you know, that, uh, you know, uh, President Abraham Lincoln was the 16th president of the United States. You're not going to find that in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not true. I'm trying to get that over because many people are a little opposed to extra biblical writings. I don't know why. They don't carry the weight of God's word, but they do add to us. We know, for example, the years from history that, that, uh, that these kings served. And so uh, uh, Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, wrote the, the Jewish history about this event. And it all agrees with the Bible. And there's one addition. And that addition is that he says the man that did this was Naaman. That's what the rabbis teach. Naaman, who later, uh, you know, was a leper. You know, Naaman was the person that did this. Interesting, huh? Do you find that interesting? I find that interesting. Well, perhaps five to seven years after Ahab had died, 
Elijah the prophet had also died and we go over into 2 Kings chapter 1 chapter 2 uh, you know and and uh, you know Elijah goes in a whirlwind to heaven Elijah does and Elisha not Elijah Elijah went in a whirlwind Ahab died from the arrow and now a new prophet and a new king are on the scene Elisha is the prophet he lives in Samaria which is the capital of the ten northern tribes of Israel Jerusalem is the capital of Judea okay and just about 30 miles north of Jerusalem is Samaria the city of Samaria and that's where the capital of the ten northern tribes called Israel was and the king is is uh, Jehoram and he is the son of Ahab so you got a new king and a new prophet are you with me now verse number one of chapter five in second Kings now Naaman the commander of the army of the king of Syria Naaman now is a commander of the army was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. Now it doesn't say right here that he's the guy that did it, but putting together Josephus and history accounts and what the rabbis have been teaching and this, you can understand that evidently Naaman was promoted for bringing a great victory to Israel and what greater victory would it have been to have killed Ahab the king even when you weren't necessarily you were just you know shooting at him oh that's my arrow in him oh wow okay well you know the Lord had won a great victory uh, at, 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 because by him the Lord had given a great victory to Syria he was also a mighty man of valor but a leper and the Syrians had gone out on raids into Israel and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, she's talking to Naaman's wife, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. Evidently, this young Israeli captive, a slave of the Assyrians, working in Naaman, the commander's home, she has compassion. She has mercy. She has, she has, you know, she, she, she has some compassion on Naaman. And she sees his leprosy. And she says, if he was only in Israel there's a prophet there and this prophet would heal him well you know that's bound to get you know Naaman's wife kind of excited and she must have told Naaman and Naaman must have thought whoa they have somebody over there that can heal leprosy I mean I mean the stories no doubt were kind of you know amazing about what went over went on over there anyway how God was with them and the things that God did and so it wasn't far-fetched for Naaman wanting to be rid of his leprosy you know how many people right now if there was a healing evangelist somewhere and people were getting healed in the tent revival you know how many people would take off that tent revival yeah that's what he did he taken off to a tent revival he's going to get himself over there where somebody perhaps can heal he's going to try to get himself in front of this prophet and so Naaman hears what, what, what his wife has heard and so then 
in, in, in verse 4, And Naaman went in and told his master, the king, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. So the king of Syria said, You, you go now. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman departed and took with him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. Now, uh, you know, I want to encourage you, take time to read the rest of the story at some point. It's an amazing story. It gives a lot of life principles. And these life principles are very important. God is telling us a story. God is telling us a story for a reason. God is telling us a story about this man and how what he went through and what type of person he is and how he was able to, to to, to uh, succeed in his endeavors for a reason, you know, and, and, and so, uh, you know, uh, allow me, if you would, to, to, uh, to just tell you the rest of the story. This commander, Naaman, he chooses men to go with him, and he takes all this stuff so that he can, you know, bring a gift. I mean, you would certainly want to take a gift to somebody that was going to heal your leprosy, and so that's what he does. He chooses these men, and he rides from a city of, uh, near, uh, a place near Damascus, and he rides all the way down to Samaria, has to cross over the Jordan River and go into uh, to Israel. It's about 100-mile journey, okay? And so here he's on this uh, journey, and uh, uh, he, he gets to the king, uh, Jehoram, and he says, here's a letter from the king of Syria, and the guy reads it and says, heal my servant. And the king says, whoa, who am I? Am I God? What do you mean? And so the king suspected that uh, the king of Israel suspected that the king of Syria was just setting him up and giving him some occasion for war. You know, you know, uh, heal my servant. Well, I can't do that. Then I'm going to come and I'm going to, you know, burn your house down. You know, so uh, King Jehoram was concerned. He was thinking this is just provocation for war. How can I heal a leper? The prophet Elisha who evidently lived just right there, you know, real close. I've been to the city of Samaria. Nothing is very far there. It's just a small place. Uh, evidently, um, the prophet Elijah said, listen, king, don't be worried. Send him down here to my house. I'll heal him. So he said, hey, Naaman, go down there and see Elijah. Well, Naaman gets on his, you know, in his chariot and the other men and horses and they command and they get down to Elisha's house. And wouldn't you know it, Elisha wouldn't even come outside and say hi to him. This is really upsetting commander Naaman. He's been doing this in good faith, but Elijah won't, Elisha won't even come out of the house. Elisha just sends his servant out uh, in verse uh, uh, 10 of chapter 5, 2 Kings. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. <laughs> Naaman, Naaman, imagine somebody's teasing me. Somebody's punking me. Somebody's making fun of me. Okay? I mean... His friends later would ask him, well, what did you expect? Well, I expected to come out, you know, and, you know, blow some smoke, stomp around, scream, shout, holler, do something, you know, demonstrative. But he wouldn't even come out of the house. He's just, you know, and so Naaman, you know, he, he gets angry. He starts saying, you know, there are cleaner rivers in Damascus than there are here. How dare him insult me? I mean, th does he think I'm an idiot? And the Bible says that he rode away enraged. He was angry. He was mad. Well, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 13 says, And Naaman's servants came near and spoke to him. They must have rode up beside his chariot or something. And they said, My father. Now, 
their servants. He's chosen them to go with him. And, and you know, they're, they're on probably thin ice anyway because this man, is in, he's a commander. He's a leper. And they're coming near to him. And he's angry. And he's enraged. And he's been insulted. And he's been disappointed. And he thought he was going to get healed. And he, I mean, he's ridden 100 miles. He's got to ride 100 miles back. He's, he, I mean, he's got every reason in the world to tear somebody's head off. My father, isn't it neat that, that, that his servants respected him? My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great or hard or difficult, would you have done it? You know, and he's thinking, yeah, I mean, if he'd have, you know, if he'd have made, uh, he just made this too easy. He just, you know. How much more then, his companions said to him, how much more then? When he says to you, wash and be clean, come on now. He made it real easy. If he'd asked you to do something hard, you would have thought more of it. But he only asked you to do something easy. Isn't that way about salvation? You know, many people have a hard time just accepting salvation, the free gift of God, because it just seems too easy to say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, be my Savior. Lord, save me from the sins. Forgive me, Lord. Take me to heaven when I die. But that's it. You can't do nothing else. But it's free. It's so easy. People have a hard time imagining it's valuable. Well, verse 14, they say, come on now. So Naaman went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan River. It was about halfway home, the Jordan River. He went ahead and went down. And first time, second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, nothing happened. The seventh time, wow. According to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a child, and he was clean. He was healed. I mean completely healed. Well, no, verse 15 says, and so Naaman returned to the man of God. He rode back another 50 miles. He and all of his aides, he said, everybody come unto me. And they stood before Elisha and he said, indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But Elisha said to him, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will not, you know, I, I will receive nothing. And Naaman said, please, please, please take this money. And he said, nope, ain't going to do it. I didn't do this for money. Well, the rest of the account adds so much more to the story and it affords other powerful and important principles of life. Uh, let me share with you three things that have impacted my life. Three things, three principles that I have learned, three life principles I have learned from Naaman. Number one, I have learned to surround myself with people who are strong and unafraid to speak their counsel. Naaman showed me that he surrounded himself with strong people. People who were not afraid to speak up, even when, uh, you know, they, they may be speaking against something that, you know, they know how you feel and they may even have to speak up and tell you, you need to be thinking a little something different here. It's a weak man. It's an insecure man, an insecure individual that surrounds themselves with only the people that agree with them. Not everyone who agrees with you is your friend and not everyone who's agree with you, who agrees with you is doing you a favor. Come on now, I've learned this. I've, I've learned and I've put in place from Naaman's life a counsel. Naaman chose men. He chose the men that went with him. They were not yes men. They were yes sir men. There's a difference between a yes man, yes man and a yes sir man. 
What's the difference? Well, you don't want to surround yourself with people who don't believe in you. You don't want to surround yourself with people who don't like you. You don't want to surround yourself with counselors who, you know, who are just hoping you fail. You don't want just a bunch of yes people around you, but you do want someone who respects you. My father. Father. People who understand that the decision that you need to make for your family is your decision. But you'd be a nut not to get somebody strong around you that loves you and cares about you and supports you but understands it's your decision and is going to love you after your decision, even if it was a wrong one. Surrounding yourself. Choose supporters who are strong and unafraid to speak up in your life. And please do not surround yourself with people who do not believe in you. But surround yourself with people who support you, but who are not afraid to share something that might be different. But, you know, anyway, surround yourself with strong people. Not argumentative, aggravating, frustrating, opinionated, non-supporters. Okay? Number two. I have learned from Naaman that I, uh, that, you know, I'm, I've learned that I'm not always right, that I need help. Naaman would have went back home believing he was right and stayed a leper the rest of his life. And he would have believed, he, he would have been justified. You know, we have to accept the reality that our best may not always be in us. The ability to change your mind when you recognize a better way or a greater wisdom is often the saving grace of our life. It was the saving grace of his life. He said, nope, not going to do it. He was angry. He was mad. And, and they said, come on now. There's safety in the multitude of counsel. And if we humble ourselves in the sight of God and even in the sight of men, God will exalt us in our due season. Don't be afraid to listen, especially when you're angry, especially when you're upset, especially when you're frustrated, especially when you're afraid, especially when you're hurt especially when you're in a rage don't be afraid to listen to somebody that loves you for nothing listen to me one more time especially when you're angry because decisions made in anger are not often the best decisions decisions made in hurt in pain in moments of rage, in moments of being upset, in moments of pain, they are not always the best decision. Find someone who actually cares about you for nothing. Like the Elisha the prophet, like his servants. They cared about him for nothing. You know, if he had been a mean master, commander, then they would have been hoping for his death. But they were hoping that he stayed alive. Anger and rage seldom speak the greatest wisdom. And I have learned that I am not always right. I need help in life. A third thing that I have learned from Naaman is I have learned to be thankful. You know, Naaman didn't have to. He already got his healing. He didn't have to, but he turned around and rode that 50 miles back. Naaman returned to the person who had previously angered him. And he offered him thanks. The guy that he previously had spoken bad things about, he realized, you know, that guy told me the truth. That guy loved me. That guy helped me. 
The Bible says give honor to whom honor is due. Give credit where credit is due. Be thankful. Show thanks. More than just being thankful. He could have said, oh, thank you, Jesus, and went on home. No, show thanks. God may use you to bless your enemies. And God might use your enemies to bless you. Be thankful. Especially be thankful to those who help you for nothing. Okay? Who love you for nothing. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.